Welcome to the Friday Five here on the Agent Survival Guide podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Rupel, and each week I bring you five of the top headlines from the past week that you need to know about. Today, on Patriot Day, we take time to remember the events that happened 19 years ago on this day and the lives that were lost as a result. At the 9-11 Memorial and Museum in New York, they will be holding a virtual ceremony with 9-11 families attending. Tomorrow, the museum reopens to the general public. We will be linking to the official website for the Memorial and Museum in our episode notes if you would like more information. Number one this week. On Tuesday, the Better Medicare Alliance released a new study citing research that shows Medicare Advantage plans typically serve beneficiaries with higher social risk factors. According to President and CEO of the Better Medicare Alliance, quote, social determinants of health have been shown to impact as much as 50% of an individual's health outcome. This data brief finds that Medicare Advantage beneficiaries face higher social risks and real challenges to managing their health. End quote. Key findings of the study, which we will be linking to in our episode notes, include that low-income beneficiaries in Medicare Advantage are more likely to be racial or ethnic minorities than in traditional Medicare. They have lower levels of education than those in traditional Medicare. They're more likely to face food insecurity. And I pulled this number out because it is staggering to think that nearly half of the lowest-income Medicare Advantage beneficiaries are food insecure. 48% of Medicare Advantage beneficiaries living at less than 100% of the federal poverty level are food insecure. 33% of those living at 100 to 199% of the federal poverty level reported food insecurity as well. We will be linking to the press release from the Better Medicare Alliance as well as the full study so you can take a look at the stats to get a snapshot of the circumstances surrounding some of your Medicare Advantage clients and how to meet them where they are and help them navigate the market. Number two, the Congressional Budget Office recently gave an updated outlook on the Medicare Hospital Insurance Trust Fund the first report to be updated with COVID-19 data, and the outlook is not good. As a result of the pandemic and other tax-cutting legislation in the past few years, beginning in 2024, the trust fund will not have enough money to cover all of its beneficiaries' costs. The date is four years away, down two years from the last projection in March of this year prior to COVID-19. In order to maintain solvency, the Kaiser Family Foundation reports that changes will have to be made and have been made in the past when the fund has hit the same four-year mark. KFF cites potential solutions as payment or benefit reductions on Part A or increasing payroll tax revenues. Obviously, COVID-19 will continue to have an effect on our industry, This is just one of the ways that it has combined with other existing issues to bring the matter to the forefront. We will be keeping an eye on this story as it continues to unfold. Number three, in other COVID-19-related news, 
The pandemic has had quite the effect on Medicaid expansion. Rather than wait for Congress to come to an agreement on expanding Medicaid, many states are seeing the issue pop up on their ballots as they go to vote, and they've been voting in favor of expansion. Recently, Missouri became the sixth of these such states who have put Medicaid expansion in the hands of state voters and won. Of course, it doesn't hurt that there have also been grassroots efforts in a lot of these states to get the word out. They come in the way of a nonprofit group called the Fairness Project. In Missouri alone, expanding Medicaid meant extending coverage to 217,000 low income individuals. Just a month ago in Oklahoma, voters did the same thing, joining Idaho, Maine, Nebraska, and Utah in expanding Medicaid through ballot referendums. Something to keep in mind as you're selling in those states. Number four, Aetna and Landmark Health have joined forces in select New York markets to bring in-home medical care for its Medicare Advantage members with chronic conditions. Think acute and urgent services, wound care, lab draws, catheter maintenance, medication management, home safety checks, and health screenings. According to Lauren Castleberry, VP of Aetna and Chief Medicare Officer in New York, quote, This collaboration allows members to remain safely in their homes and provides optimal treatment for their conditions, end quote. I think you could reasonably say this partnership was brought about by a mix of the pandemic and trying to find better patient care solutions. And it's going to be interesting to see what other forms of care come about from Aetna and other carriers in the future. Number five, Congress is now back in session and talks have started up again on the next potential stimulus package. For a quick recap, the House sent their version to the Senate back in May. That was the HEROES Act. After that, the Senate came out with their own version in July that was never voted on. Now they're back with a lighter version of that July attempt, dubbed the skinny version. CNN did a great write-up that includes each of the bills and their differences. While the skinny version may get Senate support, House Democrats are unlikely to support that version. But it's at least a sign that we are moving towards some sort of talks between the two and hopefully coming legislation. We will be linking to that write-up so you can see where the situation is at and, of course, keep checking back with our Friday 5 episodes for any updates on the situation. Now, For this week's bonus, we've got some tech news, and while it's not exactly the news I was hoping for, it's still something. Apple sent out an invite to an event being held next Tuesday, September 15th. The headline in the email read, Time Flies, suggesting that this will be more of an Apple Watch-centric event rather than an event announcing the upcoming iPhone 12. And on Tuesday... As the day wore on, multiple headlines from tech sources published similar opinions, especially on the heels of news that production on iPhone 12 5G models was only slated to begin in mid-September, the same day as the event. So, consider my Apple fangirl heart crushed. In all seriousness, though, it looks like the event will be featuring the Apple Watch and the iPad, 
with the iPhone being previewed later in an October event. But that doesn't mean that next week's event won't have exciting news. Apple is expected to announce blood oxygen level detection. That was detected in the code for iOS 14, so hopefully that's part of an update to the watchOS and not a feature unique to the hardware of the newest watch. But again, we will have to see. I know I've mentioned that I'm excited about the updated workouts coming to the watch as well as sleep tracking. I'll be watching that event next Tuesday, and guaranteed I'll bring you any updates in next Friday's episode should there be anything we don't already know, or perhaps the surprise of news about iPhone 12. I can't rule anything out at this point, and I would not be mad about it because I'm definitely upgrading to the 12 when it does come out. But for this week, that is all we have right now. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay healthy, stay safe out there, and we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel, script editing by Nicole Parasich, artwork by Nick Smith. 